just bless the word in a second here. So if you're in Mark 5, I'm going to start in verse 25 when I'm done. Father, we thank you this morning that we could be together. We could worship you as brothers and sisters. Father, I pray, Lord God, as we dig through your word this morning, that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the scripture and allow it to come to life in our spirits. Holy Spirit, lead us into all truth and show us the gems and the pearls of wisdom that you have tucked in these verses for those who seek you with their whole heart. We ask all this in Jesus' name, and the church said. Verse 25, Mark 5. A woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will be well. What great faith. Verse 29. Immediately, The flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed, and her affliction, of her affliction, verse 30, immediately Jesus perceived in himself that power proceeded from him had gone out. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. I want you to notice a few things there. In verse 28, she touched his garment. She connected with him by faith. In verse 29, it says, immediately the flow of her blood dried up. Say immediately. In verse 30, it says, immediately Jesus perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him. Say immediately. Immediately. We're going to talk about those here. Hopefully last week when we were together, when we started in on the miracles of Jesus and looked at the fact that this woman had a serious problem and that she had connected with Jesus, we talked about the fact that she had an issue and all of us have issues. Amen. Hopefully you've come to term with the fact that all of us have issues. In fact, it's the people who don't think they have any issues that have the biggest issues of all. Smile and look at your neighbor. Some of us are looking guilty right now. But all of us have issues. This woman had an issue. The best way to maintain our spiritual health and growth is not to deny our issues. Well, we always have to be first and right and pretend that we're, you know, we're perfect. Uh, It's just counterproductive to our spiritual growth. And so we have to admit that we have issues. Now, we learned to maintain our spiritual growth. Uh, We had to not deny our issue, and we had to not just try and fix our issues all by ourselves. You know, there are certain things God expects us to do for ourselves. Say amen. And you know what? There are times where if we can fix something, she tried everything she knew to address her issue, went to every doctor she could find, tried every cure that they would prescribe to her, but she came up empty. There are times where we can't fix our own issues. You know, and and there are times where we want God to do things for us that we can do ourselves. Oh God, tie my shoe. And heaven answers, tie it thyself. You know, there are certain things we should do. And she, she addressed the issue as best she could. She tried to solve it, but she came up empty. And she was broke, 
and she was frustrated, and she was getting worse. We found that she pushed through the crowd when, when she decided to find Jesus. We have to find Jesus and push through the things that crowd us away from him. There are things that get between us and Jesus, and he has healing for us, and he has miracles for us, and he wants to fix our character issues. He wants to fix our personality quirks. But things keep us away from him. The busyness of life, the material pursuits of life, the the accolades of men, the pride of the flesh. Somehow we have to push through the crowd of all of those things and connect with Jesus by faith. And that's what this woman did. Mark gives us so much detail here in these verses. Remember, we said this was in three of the Gospels, but Mark had the most verses and the most detail, so it is our text this morning. As we look at verse 29, our new material, we see that in this scenario, the miracle happened in a very interesting way. It says, and immediately the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. I want you to key in on two words, one immediately that we had repeated several times, and the other one felt. Notice that. Her miracle happened immediately, and immediately she felt different. This description of a miracle here in Mark 5, is the best case scenario for miracles from our perspective. Why? Because it happened instantly. It happened immediately. And that's the way we like things. We like instant things, amen? Jesus, I'm hurting. Oh, not anymore. I didn't even finish the prayer. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, I got a bill to pay. Well, it's paid. We like immediately. We like instant. We have instant everything. Instant oatmeals, instant waffles, instant, instant. Microwave, ding, ding, ding. You stand in front of the microwave, right? It only takes a third of the, I mean, a tenth of the time to cook it in the microwave, yet we're looking at the numbers. Hurry up. Ten seconds for a Pop-Tart? Come on. We want things fast. We want things instant. Why? Because none of us enjoy waiting. Yet the scripture says, wait on the Lord many times. Wait on the Lord. Wait, Wait on the Lord. Well, hurry up, Lord. I like this miracle, Jesus. It's an immediate miracle. It's an instant miracle. And it was backed up with feelings. She felt differently. We like that. When it comes to healing miracles, no type of miracle has more impact on people than instant results. You know, when Jesus laid hands on the lame and they leapt up, could you imagine being there in the crowd that day? Yet God still does miracles, amen. God still does heal the deaf and the blind and opens the sight. Come on, he still does those things. And when he does those things, boy, people people get excited about that because it's instant. And it's our nature to love the instant effect here and to look at this miracle and go, that was the best case scenario. But we've got to know something for certain. God knows what kind of miracle we need And sometimes he doesn't do an instant miracle for us. Sometimes he does a progressive one. Now, I know there was much less happiness when I said that. (laughs) Because we're like, man, I I want an instant, not a progressive. I don't even use progressive for my car insurance. I want instant. 
But there are times when Jesus didn't heal people instantly. There are times when Jesus did progressive miracles where he told the people to do certain things. Luke 17, 14 is an example of Jesus performing a progressive miracle. He has a, a group of lepers and they want to be healed from their leprosy. And, and sometimes he would heal them and instantly they would be changed and you could see a difference in their skin. But in this case, he says, when he saw them, he sees this group of lepers, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests, and as they were going, they were cleansed. So you see that? It wasn't an instant miracle. It was a progressive miracle. Well, how long did it take? Well, I don't know. It took one step after another because it says as they were going, they were walking. What were they doing? They were going to the priests. Why? Because when you were cleansed of leprosy, you had to be examined by the priest to be pronounced clean, and there were offerings that had to be made. So they were going in faith before they saw a difference. Hello? That's a progressive miracle. So they had to take one step after another, and as they went towards the goal that Jesus had defined for them, they were healed. That's a progressive miracle. Now, we like the instant better. This one took a little bit more faith. And you say, well, why does God do progressive miracles? I don't know the answer to that. God alone knows what kind of miracle you and I need. There are sometimes people get saved and instantly they're delivered from alcohol, drug addiction, pornography, instantly. There are times when other people struggle with those things after salvation to get free of them. Why couldn't the miracle be instant? Why did it have to be progressive? And, you know, there are a couple of reasons that we can see why a progressive miracle might be necessary, although it's up to God. Sometimes a progressive miracle ensures that we'll never go back to the thing that snared and afflicted us in the first place. Do you know, when we get out of something too easily, we don't learn our lesson. Come on, maybe as a kid you did something and you didn't get the punishment you deserved, and you did it again and again. Sometimes if we get out of the ditch too easy, you know, that we, we think, you know, oh, well, this is no big deal. And what we want is God to have, you know, bring us the magic wand and just like, poof, it's over. Poof, you say, poof, you're healed. And sometimes God doesn't go poof. Sometimes he goes. <laughs> and we've got to claw our way out. We got to claw our way out of the mess. We got to claw our way out of the financial thing, payment after payment, month after month. Come on, you, you know from debt, the only way you, you learn not to go back into debt is the struggle of getting out of debt. And when you get out, you don't want to go back. There are some ditches we've got to claw our way out of. Otherwise, we don't learn our lesson. So sometimes in God's wisdom, the miracle is progressive so we never have to revisit that same thing. One and done is a good way to roll in the kingdom of God, amen? Uh, this is a newsflash. You don't have to break every commandment to just learn not to break God's commandments, amen? There's certain things you don't want to do. There's certain lines you don't want to cross. Progressive miracles will help us to not go back in the ditch once God has lifted us out. Also, sometimes a progressive miracle just develops our faith in a deeper way that an instant miracle wouldn't. Now, you say, well, well, try me, Lord. Let's try the instant first, and we'll see. if No, God knows, amen. There are certain things that we have to walk and discipline ourselves. I, I said the D word in church. Did you hear it? I don't want to repeat it again, but to be a disciple, you have to be and sometimes the only way our faith grows is when we progressively seek God 
for the miracle that we need in our lives. And, and it takes time and it takes learning. It's incremental. I don't like it any more than you do at moments. I want to be instantly delivered. But God knows what kind of miracle we need. The bottom line is he's God and he sets the parameters for miracles. And we've got to be willing to stand in faith when things don't seem to be happening instantly and we don't feel any different. Did you ever ask God for something and maybe somebody prayed for you, maybe someone laid hands on you and you didn't feel anything? There's sometimes you do, bam, you feel the presence of God, you feel the Holy Spirit all over you and you know something's different and you feel it. And then there's sometimes you don't. We've got to be willing to walk by faith and not by sight, amen? We can't be sign seekers. We can't be uh, emotion-oriented. We can't, you know, have everything has to do with how we feel. Sometimes the work is done and God has done it, and we don't feel a thing, but it's finished. I guarantee those people who were standing at the foot of the cross when Jesus said, it is finished, didn't know what the heck he was talking about. So whether our miracle is immediate or progressive, we have to believe that God hears our prayer and that he answers our prayer in his perfect timing, and we have to be willing to stand in faith. This woman suffered for 12 years, but in an instant, her miracle came. Isn't that wonderful, amen? When God in heaven looked down at this poor woman and said, enough, enough, 12 years is enough, and instantly, immediately, he heals her whether immediate or progressive, stand in faith. Amen? So our second immediately happens in verse 30, where immediately her, her blood flow stops and it's dried up. Verse 30, Jesus has an immediately. Immediately, Jesus perceived that power had gone out from him. So th there's the woman's immediately, and then there's an immediately for Jesus. He's walking through this crowd. He's thronged. People are following him. People are pushing up to him, up against him. And, you know, all of a sudden he feels power leave him. Why? Because healing virtue had left his body. How did it leave his body? Because one person touched him and connected with him by faith. Of all the people pushing up against him, touching up against him, one person really connected with him. And when she did, power left him. And immediately he was aware of it. And I want to say two things about the fact that Jesus has an immediately right here. Number one, Jesus is a power source for every miracle in our lives. Well, you know, I, I just used, uh, you know, some healthy diet and I, I ate some certain food and I, I got a certain berry from a deserted island in the middle of, you know, and I ate and all of a sudden, you know, and then I used medicine and health and I did yoga. No, listen to me. All that stuff are leaves on the tree. The roots of our miracle is Jesus healing us. He's the power source. <laughs> yeah. I'm thankful for doctors, but, you know, who gave the doctors the wisdom and who gave the doctors the, you know, the, the drugs? And it's all from the Lord, amen? So we've got to recognize who our power source is. We get confused about this a lot of times. We think, oh, it's, you know, it's discipline, it's eating. And some of that is true too. But if we are going to be healed in our bodies, if we're going to be healed in our emotions, if we're going to be healed in our minds, if our spirits are going to be healed, the power source is always Jesus. It's not Dr. Oz. It's not Dr. Phil. It's not the self-help section at your local bookstore. It's Jesus. 
And as God's people, we need to be aware of that. I'm thankful for all of those things, but when I'm healed, I don't say, thank you, self-help section. I say, thank you, Jesus. Watchman Nee in his book, Sit, Walk, Stand, describes a miracle that took place while he was on a, a missionary preaching mission in an island off of the south coast of China. There was a seven-member team that Watchman Nee took with him, and of the team, there was a 16-year-old new convert named Brother Wu. The preaching on the island seemed fruitless. They were making no conversions. Nee discovered that it was because the islanders had dedicated themselves to an idol that they called Tawang. And they were convinced that Tawang was their god, this idol that they had made. And what convinced them that Tawang was their god is that every year on the day that they offered a festival and a parade to honor Tawang, the weather on that rainy, drippy island was always perfect. And they looked and said, you know, it's the power of Tawang. He's our god. He's our idol. And they worshiped him. Now, uh, when the procession was going and they were preaching, uh, Brother Yu, that young convert, was talking to a group that had gathered, and he found out about Tawang, and he said, what's the day that you honor him? And they said, January 11th at 8 a.m. Then the new convert said this, I promise you, on that day, it will certainly rain. Now, if you're just looking at me, you're not getting it, because that took guts right there. You know, to hear God and to believe God and to make a statement to unbelievers like that, it's a square off, it's a challenge. He's saying, you worship this idol, my God's bigger than your idol, I guarantee on that day, it's gonna rain. So Watchman Nee heard about this showdown between the young convert and the islanders there, and he, he knew it was a serious situation, so he called his whole team together for prayer, and they prayed, and they sought God, and they, they, they stormed heaven for a miracle. On the morning of the 11th, the day that they were to worship their idol, there wasn't a cloud in the sky, but during breakfast, as they prayed grace over their meal, it began to sprinkle, and by the time they were done praying, heavy rains followed all day. The worshipers of the idol were upset. They got angry. They placed their idol on a chair, took it out of the temple, and carried it outdoors to see if he would stop the rain. Instead, those carrying the idol stumbled, and they fell, and it broke. That's what happens with man-made gods. I broke my God. It's a bad day. The elders of the village were so upset that they got together for council, and they came to the conclusion that they had inadvertently picked the wrong day and that it wasn't the 11th, but it was supposed to be the 14th. Again, Nee took the challenge. They got together, and they prayed for rain on the 14th. On that crucial day in the morning, the weather, again, was perfect. But after they had a powerful evangelical meeting, as they closed in prayer, the heavens opened, and torrential rain followed all day. The power of the idol over that island was broken. Mass conversion followed, and the impact that it had on both the people and the servants of God lasted a lifetime. God still does miracles for those who approach him by faith. God still does miracles for those who hear from heaven and put themselves on the line for their God. Do you want miracles like that? I do too. Some miracles are progressive, some are instant. Jesus is the power source. He's all we need. The second thing we learn from Jesus is immediately is this. Jesus is intimately aware of those who connect with him by faith. 
Notice there was all those people in the crowd. You know, they were yelling at him, trying to touch him, <laughs> asking him things, you know, all of those people thronging him, wanting his attention. Yet one person got his attention to the point where he's about to stop the whole procession. Who was it? Some lady who had faith to push through the crowd and grab him. Jesus is immediately aware of those who connect with him by faith. You and I cannot connect with God intellectually. Well, you know, I just, you know, I have an intellectual relationship with God. And, you know, we see eye to eye, and we've talked about some things, and I agree with him. Our two-circuit brain cannot interface (laughs) with the creator of heaven and earth, amen? Well, you know, I have an emotional relationship with God. It's a feelings thing. I have feelings. I, you know, I get goosebumps once in a while, and I know that it's God. It's not an emotional connection. It's not an intellectual connection. It's a connection by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For we must first believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's faith. It's always faith. It's always been by faith. And Jesus was intimately aware. Why? Because the woman didn't just bump into him, didn't just shout something at him. She connected with him by faith. And so what's Jesus' response here? Well, he blows up the whole scene on her. She touches him, something happens, and he's like, whoa, stop. And he stops. And you know the crowd was noisy, and you know the disciples were like, you know what's going on here. But he stops everything, and then everybody wants to know what's going on. Why? Is he going to do something? Is he going to heal somebody? What's going to happen? Here we go. Jesus stops the whole crowd, and he says these words, who touched me? Now, if you've ever been in a crowd before, you know, if you've ever been on a subway before, you know, if you've ever been in Manhattan before, you know everybody touched you. People touch, that's why you have to douse yourself in Purell. Everybody touched you. In fact, you know, Jesus stops here, and he wants to know who touched him. Now, he's going to get two very different responses here. He's going to get one response from the disciples and one response from the woman, and the crowd is just silent. So the first response is this from his disciples. Jesus says, who touched me? And their response is confusion. It it seems, you know, they know Jesus. They've been with him. They they see what he does, and they're they're a little familiar with him. And so he says, who touched me? And they, they feel like, man, that's a ridiculous question. Can you see them? I would love to see their faces, right? If they had little snapshots on Peter's like, John's like, the one guy, Judas is going through the money. (sighs) <sighs> who touched me? They're, they're confused. They're like, it's, that's kind of a ridiculous question, Lord. Why would you stop the whole procession? We're trying to get you through here. It's a mob. It's a crowd. It's Manhattan at rush hour. Everybody touched you. You know, apparently the, the disciples were a little bit annoyed. They kind of probably felt like a, a security team at a Justin Bieber concert, you know? <laughs> they're trying to work the crowd, and Peter's got an earpiece, and they're pushing no more autographs, and no, Jesus is busy now. And all of a sudden, he stops everything. And ask that question. And they're confused, and they don't get it. The other response he gets is from the woman. Her response is so much different than the disciples, because unlike the disciples and the crowd, she is fully aware of what has just happened. She and Jesus are the only ones, amen? They had a moment. 
And she knows exactly what he meant when he said, who touched me? Why? Because she connected with Jesus by faith and a transfer took place. This is what I want you to see this morning. You and I need to connect with him by faith. Why? So a transfer can take place. We can exchange our brokenness and our need and our need for healing with his power and connect to his power source so he can touch us, amen? He was very aware. She was very aware. And her response is very different. Verse 33, we see her response is humble and it's beautiful. It says, but the woman fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came down and fell before him and told the whole truth. What I see here in this woman besides her faith, besides her tenacity, I see great humility in her. And it's something that we need to learn. We need to learn to maintain our humility. You know, the truth is that for us to fear the Lord, for us to fall down before him on our knees, for us to honor him and and come to him uh, in the right posture, pride does not allow that. There are people who have not connected with Jesus, who have not been saved, forgiven of their sins, healed in their mind, will, and body. Why? Because their pride will not allow them to come to Jesus. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We're either going to bow the knee in this life and allow him to save us, or we're going to bow the knee in eternity before the judgment seat. This woman was humble enough to come and to bow before him. It was her response. And it takes work to remain humble. Most of us, you know, it's real easy to think too much of ourselves. We, our society elevates the individual to the point where, you know, all of us think we're, we're the center of the universe. It's quiet now. They're like, move along, pastor, move along. And we need some sort of mechanism to keep us humble. Winston Churchill had a way of keeping his ego in check. Churchill was once asked, doesn't it thrill you to know that every time you make a political speech that the hall is overpacked, overflowing, standing room only? And Winston said, yeah, it's very flattering. But whenever I feel this way, I remind myself that instead of making a political speech that day, if I were to be hanged, the crowd would be three times the size. See, and some of us don't get that. You're the proud people. Raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. It's, you know, we want to puff ourselves up. We want to think more of ourselves than we ought. But you know what? We're insignificant. We're sands on a beach. We're a drop of water in the ocean. Yet God is mindful of us. God knows us intimately. He knows the hairs on our head. He knows the number of our days, how many breaths we'll draw, how many beats our heart will beat before we go into eternity. Yet, somehow, someway, we have to keep ourselves humble. This woman had been humbled by 12 years of suffering. She'd received her miracle, yet she comes before the Lord, not with shouting and dancing and yelling and, woohoo, look at me. No, it's fear and trembling. It says she came and fell down before him. Now, fear and trembling is the right way to approach God. Why? Because he's God and we're not. And even though we have intimacy with him, you know, we should still tremble before him in awe because he's holy. Sometimes we get a little too comfortable with God. 
And we think, you know, well, we can just do what we want, say what we want. Hey, Big G, how you doing? Hey, Papa God, you know. Yeah, there's intimacy, but there's also his holiness. The Bible says it's a fearful thing to sinners to fall into the hands of an angry God. It's only the blood of Jesus and the grace of God that allows us to approach his sons and daughters. But we need to do it in awe of his holiness. And that's where the fear comes in, that, you know what, I'm not terrified of God because he's my father, but I'm in awe of his holy presence, so I come with fear and trembling. She also fell down before him. What's that? That's a beautiful display of worship and gratitude. The way for us to come to God is not with demands and complaints and you better and you owe me. How many times have we, God, I, you know, I've been good. I did my devotions all week and this happens. You, you know what? We got that you owe me attitude. Where's the fear? Where's the trembling? Where's the humility? She falls before him. It's an act of worship. What a beautiful display. We can learn so much from her, her faith, her tenacity, her humility, her worship. It all speaks to us. And after she comes to him and identifies what had happened and the crowd is all looking, Jesus is looking, she then gets to tell her story and everyone gets to hear her testimony. And I want you to understand something. This is the reason Jesus stopped the crowd so everyone could hear what had been done for this woman. He didn't stop the crowd because he was bothered that somebody touched him. Oh, touching me. Remember when you were little in the back seat and your siblings are touching you and it's hot and they're breathing on your arm? Mommy, touch me. Jesus wasn't aggravated that people touched him. No, he wasn't, you know, bothered by the fact that his disciples were doing a lousy job with crowd control. Come on, guys. No, he wasn't bothered that someone snuck a miracle out of him and he wasn't going to get the credit for it. No, it was all about the fact that he wanted her testimony heard. He wanted his disciples to hear what she had to say. He wanted the crowd to hear what she had to say. And he wanted every one of us here today to hear what this woman had to say. There's a reason that she's in scripture. It's because he wanted us to hear her testimony. Verse 34 gives Jesus' final say about the issue. The woman shares her testimony with the crowd of healing, of her 12-year issue being solved, of the grace of God immediately drying up her issue. And in verse 34, Jesus gives his conclusion. He says here, And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Jesus' small statement right there is just loaded with power. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be cured of your disease. Three things I want you to notice about this miracle here in Jesus' conclusion. Number one, he wanted everybody to know it was her faith that allowed the miraculous to touch her body. Do you need a miracle in your body? Do you need a miracle in your emotions? Do you need a miracle in your mind? Do you need a miracle in your finances? It's faith. Well, I was just going to get some books. I was going to read. I was going to work hard. I was going to get an extra job. I was going to do X, Y, and Z. Listen, develop your faith because it's faith that allows the miraculous to touch us. 
The last thing we want to develop is faith. We want to try and solve it ourselves. We want to use our intellect. We want to use our savvy. But you know what? When it comes down to it, it's our faith that is going to make the difference. Whether we have enough or we don't have enough, that's going to determine if we receive the miracle. When he said to your daughter, your faith has made you well, you could literally translate that in the Greek. Daughter, your faith has saved you. In fact, some of your translations might say that. That's what the Greek is suggesting there, that it was not only a healing miracle that took place, but that intimate connection that had taken place had also saved her soul. It's faith that saves us, amen? Not works, not our good deeds, not us being nice, not saying, you know, don't worry, be happy and being nice. No, that's not what saves us. It's faith. You're here on Wednesday nights as I'm preaching through Hebrews. It's all about faith. We're we're looking at the hall of fame of faith and looking at everybody in there. And every one of them had sins and flaws and character issues. But the reason God notices them is because of their great faith. So in all the things you develop and all the things you put time and energy into, develop your faith this week, amen? Number two, the second thing, we should notice about Jesus' final pronouncement here is this. Peace was her reward for seeking and connecting with Jesus. Look what he says to her. You you know, your, your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you well. You know, go in peace. Think about being sick and having an issue that consumes your life for 12 years to the point where you become your issue. Think about the absence of peace in this woman's life. You know, The older we get, the more we realize, you know, having peace is the most valuable thing we could have. We could do without the big this and the big that and the nice car. Just if we could go to bed at night with some peace. Come on, anybody have little children? Peace. You know, when, I mean, you just got to schedule bathroom breaks in, you know. Tomorrow I'll comb my hair. Tomorrow, you know, no peace. Peace is such a a beautiful gift. Peace is such a precious commodity. And yet, when he says to her, he he offers her peace, and he says, go in peace. She hadn't had peace for 12 years at least. What a great gift. We all look, oh, the miracle. Immediately, her issue is solved. Yeah, but she went away with peace. God wants to give us the peace that passes all understanding. That's what the scripture calls it. It's not a peace like the world gives. It's the peace of God. What's the difference? The world can't take it away. When Jesus gives you peace, the world can't take it away. Your circumstances can't take it away. People who don't like you can't take it away. Come on. If you have the peace of God, you know what I'm talking about. The boss could be mad. Your coworkers, your spouse is growling at you, and you're just happy. And they're all mad because of it. What are you happy for? (laughs) Go in peace. Peace was her reward for connecting with him by faith. And I'll close with this. The last thing we should notice about this miracle, as Jesus sums it up, is what? Her cure came from the word of God. Look what he says here. Daughter, your faith has saved you, made you well. Go in peace, listen, and be cured of your disease. The word, Jesus is the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. The word just spoke a word over this woman. And what did he say? Be cured of your disease. I want you to see in the final effect, you know, many times we get something from God and as soon as we go out of God's presence, the enemy is there to snatch it away. 
You get peace from God. You walk out of church by mid-afternoon. Enough people have harassed you. Your peace is gone. You get a miracle in your body, you know, and by the time you go to, you know, wherever, you don't feel different, the doctors talk you out of it, your miracle's gone. Listen to me. When Jesus spoke the word over her, he sealed her miracle and be cured of your disease. The word spoke the word. Jesus is the power source. Our miracles are going to come from him, and our miracles come from the word of God. How do we know that we can be healed? Because Isaiah said, by his stripes we are healed. Because the New Testament says that the prayer of faith will heal the sick, amen, to call the elders and lay hands on anoint with oil, and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. The word is what allows us to be cured. The word heals our emotions. It cures our mental issues, amen? I don't think any time in history more that in our nation that we've had people that are struggling with mental issues, they just locked us up for a year and told us it was for our own good and people are, the mental state of our nation is terrible. The suicide rate is horrible. The word of God will cure our minds. It will cure our hearts. It will cure what ails us. We've got to look to the word to be our cure and be cured of your disease. So I love the conclusion here. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be cured of your disease. This is the conclusion of the miracle. The encounter was made possible by this woman's faith. She got up and found Jesus. She pushed through the crowd and she connected with him. And you and I can do the same thing. Miracles are for the children of God. Whatever you need today, Jesus' word to you is be cured of your disease. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, I thank you this morning for this group of your children here today. Lord, and I pray that, Father, even times when we think that you're not doing any miracles today, Lord, Father, I come against that wrong thinking in Jesus' name. And I pray today, God, that we would open ourselves up to the reality that you still do miracles for those who approach you by faith. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters today that need a miracle. Maybe they need a miracle in their relationships, maybe in their marriage, maybe a miracle of healing in their body. Maybe they need a miracle in their emotional state, their mental state. Father, whatever is needed today, I know that you're the power source, Jesus. And by faith, we can grab hold of you. If you're here this morning and you need a miracle in any of those areas, I just want to take a minute for us to grab hold of Jesus this morning. Push through the things that crowd you out. Push through the pride. Push through the doubt and the unbelief. And believe that he still does miracles for those who approach him by faith. Let's just take a moment. Take it by faith. Take it by faith this morning. Bring us a suddenly, Lord. Bring us an immediately. Bring us a progressive miracle. Lord, you know best. But hear our prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Give him praise this morning.